Today we are starting a brand new series in the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, turn there. We're going to read uh, those, just those two verses this morning as our introduction, and then uh, we'll get into our uh, series throughout the book of Ephesians. But if you don't have a Bible, uh, it will also be on the screen behind me. So starting in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray really quick. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for your word and its timeless truth. Father, I pray that as we look at our identity in Christ, that God, you would begin to form our thinking, reshape some of the ways that we do things, that it wouldn't be based on how we do things and who we say we are, but it would be based upon who you say you are and who you say we are. So Father, we just thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. So what we've been doing kind of uh, a little bit towards the end of, of last year and as we get into this year and with this series, kind of what I've been doing is instead of giving you a, a lot of fill in the blanks that are points in that, in that text, I've really given you a sentence that as I read scripture and prepare and study, I really ask what's the sentence in there that really uh, the writer and the author and what God is really trying to say to us in this to be more uh, authentic and more genuine to the text of the Bible that we read. And so in that sentence uh, of the scripture that we read, our sentence today is in Christ, our identity is saint, not sinner. And so if you're someone who likes to fill in the blanks uh, ahead of time and you like to be an overachiever and, and just fill in those and then, and then sit back and, and listen, you can fill those in now. Um, but before we talk about uh, Ephesus and, and the subject of identity, I think it's really important to kind of note who the author is. And, and for some of us, we kind of know who Paul is as he notes himself as the writer of this, of this book, but for some of us, we don't know. And where we find Paul's story in the book of Acts, he's first not called Paul, he's called Saul. And this is because his life before was not marked by a life lived in Christ, but it was marked by him being someone who was following Judaism, following the religion before Christ, before living a life based on the coming Messiah. And so Paul, before being Saul, Saul was really against what the church was doing. He was against Christians. And so Saul didn't go around and just say, hey, I think what you're doing is wrong. He would go around and prison them and he would kill them. And so this is where we pick up with the story. The first interaction we see with Saul is where he is standing, receiving the coats of the religious leaders and the men while they stone the first martyr of Christ, Stephen. And so Saul was not a good dude. He was very zealous for religion, for Judaism, and he was really approaching the church with this anger that they would go off into this gospel thinking. And so for Saul, in the midst of his pursuit, in the midst of what he probably considered his own ministry, he was off going to Damascus to find more Christians, to bring them down into prison or to kill them. And there he meets Jesus. 
And in that moment, Jesus physically makes him blind by showing him this marvelous light that blinds him, but also reveals to him when Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so then Saul goes and God uses another follower of Christ to meet him there in Damascus. And and in that place, Saul is converted. Saul fully understands and experiences the gospel. And, And from that point, he has a whole identity shift. So he's not this religious leader that he, he made himself to be all these things anymore. He's now a follower of Christ, which was completely different. And in fact, if we read more about who Paul became in the book of Galatians, we see that the Christians were kind of nervous because if someone tries to kill you, when they try to come and hang out in your circle, you're not too excited about it right? And so when Paul comes in, there's this whole identity shift and he's just blown away by the gospel message and it's a total life shift. And so it really begged to ask the question, who, who is Paul now? Who is Paul now? And so Paul bases his whole ministry on explaining, here's the testimony. Here's who I became in Christ And it was no longer who he said that he was, but who God said that he was. And it was a whole life shift. And so just for us to ask the question for ourselves, who do you say that you are? Think about that for a second. Who do you say that you are? I mean, this question is identity shaping, it's life altering, and it's even eternity affecting. So who do you say that you are? How would you describe yourself to a group of people? How would you introduce yourself? How do you perceive yourself? See, there's all these things in our life, both physically and and emotionally and relationally and spiritually that have really shaped the person that we are, shaped who we have become. And so the question is, who do you say that you are? I think a lot of this can influence our thinking and unfortunately, in not a good way, it can influence our relationship with God. But the truth is, it's more important to ask, who does God say that you are? Who does God say that you are? Because what God says about you is far more important than what you say about you. Your identity in Christ is not based on who you think you are. It's based on who God says you are. But our tendency, unfortunately, is to believe that we're, if we're having a good day, if we're leading a good life, then, then that means morally, relationally, at, at work or at home, then, then God sees us as good. But if we're having a bad day, if we've cut some off, someone off or we've gotten cut off or we made it late to work, if we're having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year, then God sees us as bad. So, then out of that, our our tendency is to move into making our lives performance-based. It's not based on gospel living in our identity in Christ. It's based on this performance. So our idea then becomes the greater the performance, the better the outcome. And this is something we even learned growing up, that our behavior matters because better behavior brings forth better outcome, better results. This is rooted in our culture and it's how we view others often and how we believe they view us. So the better you do in your education, that means better grades and a better job, which results in a better outcome. The better you do in work means higher position, more money, better outcome. Better you do in relationships, happier life, happier wife, right? And so these are some of the things we see as better outcome. If I do better, 
God will see me as better. But if I do worse, God will see me as worse. But this isn't the way God views you. This is why our identity is so important. Because these are all things you do. This is all based on your conduct and your work. And when we begin to view God through the lens and filter of what we do, then our relationship with him is performance-based. And we just begin and continue to fail. And many Christians, and I think some of us fall into this category, when we think of our relationship with God, we first think about our conduct and our works, and then we think about our identity that's rooted in Christ. And one of the ways I know this is because when I spend time with people, they talk about how much time they haven't spent with God and how much time they need to. That's absolutely important, but you're thinking first on your conduct and your works, not on your identity in Christ. And so we step into this relationship with God, really viewing who he is based on what we do. But our relationship is not based on conduct and works. It's rooted in a Christ identity that's saturated by grace. And so a life in Christ is not based upon who you think you are, but on who God says you are. See that shift there? It's not based on who you think you are. It's based on who God says you are. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21 and 22, there's really two identities that we choose in life that Paul talks about. That we choose of these two. He says, for as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so when God created the earth, the first man that he created was Adam. And through Adam, all of us are participants in that sin of that fall and that disconnect of our relationship with God. And so in Christ comes reconciliation. And so that question really comes out of there. Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Which would you categorize yourself in? And so as we look at being in Christ with our identity, what we need to understand is that the Bible speaks a lot about our identity being in Christ as believers. In fact, it says so over 216 times. The Apostle Paul himself in the 13 letters of the New Testament that he wrote, he writes and he talks about us being in Christ and he uses the language in him, in the beloved And in Christ, he uses this language to say, this is your identity. And anyone who tells you something 216 times, I've learned this as a parent. One, it's really important. And two, they never want you to forget it. One, it's really important. And two, they don't want you to forget it. So there's really a difference there between being in Adam and being in Christ. And here's why. Because at the cross, Jesus traded places with us. He saw our identity as being in Adam, separated because of sin, and he took our place. He said, listen, I'm gonna take on all you've ever done, all you will ever do, and I'm gonna trade places with you. So all of the death, all of the shame, all of the condemnation that we deserve went to Jesus. It went completely on Jesus. And as he traded places with us, all of the forgiveness, all of the love, and all of the grace that Jesus rightly has as the sinless son of God comes to us because he traded places. And here's the incredible truth. God knew what he was buying on the cross. 
He knew what he was getting with you. When you chose to be in Christ, if you haven't done that, if you choose to be in Christ and become a follower of Jesus, here's, here's the reality. He's not gonna change his mind. He's not looking at and, and looking at it at a point of regretting the cross. So if you kind of feel like, man, I'm kind of wonky and unstable, if you kind of feel like you're constantly tossed about asking, man, does that bother God? Does he regret me on the cross? No, he doesn't. Look at the cross. Look at the message and the truth and the reality of the cross. He absorbed all of our sin, all we have ever done. And so the reason Paul can so clearly say in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus is because the debt has been paid in full. Not in part, but in full. So what this does then is it changes our identity. So if we are in Christ, we are in Christ's position and Christ is in ours. So he suffered and he died so that we would be blessed and live. So as we are in Christ, we stand in Christ's position. So we are loved as Christ is loved. We are blessed as Christ is blessed. And we are embraced and adored as Christ is embraced and adored. So where is our first identity that we're born into is of Adam, that's our original and fallen identity. When we are born again in Christ, that's our new, our redeemed and our resurrected identity given to us in Jesus. And so in Christ, this really becomes a rooted identity. And identity is critical for us to understand I mean, knowing your identity matters, including, I think, our physical identity, understanding that there isn't a disconnect between our physical identity and our spiritual identity, because even our physical identity alone, from what culture tells us, really is made up of of our qualities, our beliefs, and our expressions. But as believers, those, those aren't separate. They're together. And so if, you, if you're like me and, and, and love to just kind of nerd out and do a little research, if you type in the word identity into Google, you will come up with 444 billion results. There's just a couple there for you. If you type in the word identity crisis into Google, interestingly enough, you'll only come up with 15 billion results, which really only tells us that everyone thinks they know what their identity is and no one believes they have a crisis. I think this should be truthfully alarming. So what's interesting where we see in scripture, when we look at the New Testament specifically, what it says a Christian is, is a follower of Christ. And that word Christian is actually only used three times. That, that association, that affiliation was, was something used by outsiders and it's only used three times in the New Testament. But the Bible says continually that your identity is as a Christian, where, where it says that three times, that your identity is in Christ, it says 216 times. So it, it's one of the primary ways that God talks about identity. That it's not just that you call yourself a Christian, but that you are faithfully in Christ. And so in Christ, our identity really becomes rooted in him. And therefore it's not based on how we are seen, but Christ in us. 
And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so when we put on our identity in Christ and choose life in him, it's not based on who we think we are, but on who he is and what he has done. And so looking at this identity for us really means trading in our question of who we say we are, how we perceive life for a pursuit of who God says we are and who he says he is, which also means that our new identity in Christ is based on us no longer being sinners, but saints. That the wording here is critical to understand. That's why Paul puts it right in the beginning here in the first verse. He puts it all the way at the top. He says, let's start here because if you don't know who you are, you don't know what to do. When you don't know who you are, then you don't know what to do. And so in Ephesians chapter one, verse one, as we read earlier, he says, to the saints who are in Christ Jesus. So that's our identity. It's in Christ. It's based in Christ. It's centered around Christ. And because of our position in Christ, we are saints. And many, many Christians, I think, use this, this different terminology. They call themselves sinners saved by grace. But, but are you really, is that your true biblical identity? Believe me when I say you, you will sin, you will struggle, you'll still have those things, but is your scriptural identity in Christ a sinner? See, God doesn't call you a, a sinner, he calls you a saint. For those in Christ Jesus, not because of the good in you or your own right of, of how your right standing is with God on your own, but because of Christ in you. Because when God sees us, he sees Christ in us. And so what that does is it really changes our identity where sin has no power over us, it's Christ in us. But let's be clear about what we mean when we say saint because I think there's some more traditional terminologies, especially in Catholicism where we look at the saints, it's a hierarchy, but in the biblical terminology, it's not used as a hierarchy. And the Greek word for saint, hegaio, translated as saint means to be holy ones, which refers to those who are set apart or belong to God. And in fact, in the New Testament, all occurrences of this Greek word for saints appears in plural form. That those who are putting their identity in Christ are not left out from the saints, but those who choose to follow Christ have their identity rooted in him. They're not called sinner, they're called saint. And so as Paul opens his letter to the church in Ephesus, he calls them saints, but, but catch this important detail that's really important for us, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, for us to be called saints, we really need to humble ourselves under his leadership and, and really arrange our priorities and our lives for his priorities and his life. And this process, what we've talked about before many times is sanctification. Because at the moment of conversion, we're not perfect, we're forgiven. We're not perfect, we're forgiven. And that process of sanctification is 
the beginning pursuit of being a saint in Christ because it's, because it's someone who's set apart and holy and active in the process of repentance and reconciled relationship with God. And John Calvin, a popular theologian, really viewed sanctification in two aspects. That to understand sanctification, we couldn't just say that, that it's this process, but understanding to, to break down the process, there were really two aspects of it. And I love the, the reality and the truth behind this is the first for sanctification to take place, there has to be mortification, which means the killing of sin and the denial of self. I mean, the first time when Jesus invites people to follow him in Luke 9, we see that he says, you first must deny yourself, leave everything, pick up your cross and follow me. So the killing of sin, being set apart, means that we are in pursuit of relationship with God, leaving all the other physical stuff behind. And then in the process then of that mortification through sanctification is then vivification, where we are living a godly life, walking in him, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, not just basing things on how we think or how we see who we are, but based on who God says we are. But let's understand, there's no hierarchy of saints. There's no hierarchy of saints. All who belong to Christ by faith are saints, and no, none are more saintly. And, and so the apostle Paul, who is no more a, a saint than, than any of the other Christians that he's writing to, says to the church again in Corinth, when he, when he, when he, op- he open, opens up his first letter to them, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. See, as we come to a close and as we get into this series over the next 12 weeks after this, I think it's really important for us to take a moment and really think on our identity. I mean, it's probably the, the most used word that I've, I've used this morning is identity. But I think we really need to think about this because I think for, for some of us, we're stuck. We're stuck because our primary identity is in our sin, not our savior. That's who we're basing it on. Let, let me give you an example. It, any guys here who have their wallet with them? Don't worry, I'm not gonna make it all weird. Just hold out your wallet really quick. And let me tell you this, what I have in this is more amazing than what you have. What I have in this is more amazing than what you have in this. And, and no questions asked, but if you just, if you trade me right now, I'll, I'll give you yours if you give me, I'll give you mine if you give me yours. If, if one of you will trade. Kyle, would you trade? No? Would you... Would you trade? No? Does anybody have a wallet that they'd trade me? You'll trade me? Okay. So here, do this. So you take, you take this. Here, but you can't take anything out of it. You take that. Go ahead and grab a seat. And this is for keeps too, so I hope you have something good in here. What, so tell everybody what's in there. But... No, I'm, I'm married with a kid. I promise you there isn't money in there. But, but I told you there was something greater, right? Here's the reality. We give up our, our identity. 
We give up what we already have for what we think is greater, but it's empty. And that's what sin is. That's what sin does. It separates us from our true identity. And we feel like our true identity is forever lost and we're left with what's empty. So here's the reality for some of us. What we really need to do is lay down that stuff that's empty. Because what Christ does is he says, I've still been holding it. I've still got it. And so for some of us, we've literally traded our identity for a cheap imitation of what we thought would satisfy, what we thought would be better, but, but it's not. And so in the midst of your temptation, in the midst of your sin, whatever you feel like you are struggling with, let, let me just tell you that what you need is not a better method, not a better devotional, not more theological terminologies, not, not to hang out with, with more people who know more things. What you need is Jesus. What you need is to lay the empty identity down and come before Jesus who's holding your true identity. So this is, this is where it's coming to the stop sign before our sin, not pursuing that, no longer being a sinner, but this is where we go into being saints who struggle with our sin, but are choosing our savior instead. Let's pray.